Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. I am Stu Hardy and I'm currently bathing in my own sweat because it is awful here in Toronto at the moment. I believe it's something like 28 degrees outside plus humidity. I uh, hope everyone out there is making sure they're well hydrated, putting on lots of sunscreen regularly, getting in the shade when it needs to be. And just enjoying what is now the start of the summer. Derek, how have you been feeling? Yeah, also also drenched in sweat. I think that's the appropriate way to uh, to look at it. Uh, been uh been been doing a lot of like moving and stuff this this past week too. And yeah, I think when I was driving today, I think my car said thirty eight at one point. Um, so it's one of those like the windows down, but you also kind of want the air conditioning on just to have it blowing right in your face, anyways. Uh, my, my weekend was, was all right. I mean, obviously uh, we'll talk about the arrows, uh, result this past weekend, but, uh, uh my, my, uh, Aussie rules football club, Toronto Dingoes had our first game of the 2022 season. We won, we beat, uh, the Grand River Gargoyles 67 to 17, 68, 17. So it's a, a pretty good start to the, to the season for us. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, can't, can't ask for much more really. Yeah, sounds uh, good. Sounds uh, nice. Uh, actually, been taking part in sports instead of just up in the press box uh, watching it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except the press box has air conditioning, also. Yeah, that that is fair enough. That is fair enough. But well, we can't delay it any longer. We need to talk about the uh, the game that happened on Saturday. And to be honest, this has been a weekend of uh, decisions being made. We started off the weekend with the Seattle Houston game. So the plan for Seattle was not only get the bonus point win, but to hold Houston so they would have no bonus points themselves. Unfortunately for Seattle, Houston were able to clinch both the try bonus point and the losing bonus point with the last kick of the game, which brings Houston into playoff contention for the first time ever. They will be in the playoffs in the West. They will unfortunately be locked in at third place, but they've gone in. However, Positions were also secured for the Eastern Conference playoffs as well. And this was the Fire and Ice Cup game between Toronto and Atlanta. And, you know, it didn't start off well. Uh, Atlanta scoring a try. Toronto obviously needing a bonus point win to keep them in the fight. Then there were a few penalties that went in the arrows direction. So that was Sam Malcolm stepping up to the tee, uh, scoring in the 10th minute and then the 18th minute. And then uh, John Sheridan out on the wing doing his best Spider-Man impression, just stretching out as much as he could to get that ball down. And that was the first try of the game, which uh, Sam Malcolm converted from the touchline. Very impressive. And then less than 10 minutes later, we have uh, not only another penalty from Malcolm, but uh, the boss, Ross Brody, finding a gap within the defensive line. And once he was gone, it was too late for any Atlanta player to get in contact and again that was another try that was converted by Sam Malcolm bringing the score to uh, Toronto basically getting 23 points within the space of what can it be like 20 minutes and then it all went wrong so then we had a try by Tiana Rasmus and then Kirk Coleman um, just before half time to bring the score to Atlanta 21, Toronto 23. So Toronto's still ahead, all looking good. And then it 
was another try by Atlanta this time by Waitakia on the 47th minute, which was also unfortunately converted. And then just a couple of penalties by Coleman and De La Vega Mendia to take it without, uh, to take it beyond bonus point range. And the final score, Atlanta 34, Toronto 23. So what this means is that Atlanta, first of all, retain the Fire and Ice Cup for 2022. Um, but it also means that with that loss and without securing any bonus points either, Toronto are now eliminated from the playoffs. So they will not be contesting for the Shield this year. Instead, the match on Sunday against DC could be seen as a dead rubber game. I mean, DC can't progress higher than six. Uh, Toronto can't progress higher than fourth or lower than fourth, I should say, as well. But, you know, I'm going to say with a little bit of positivity, I'd say, like, come on down anyway. It's going to be the end of the season send-off. We'll have, like, you know, big party atmosphere we need to have because it'll be, like, glorious sunshine. The weather should hopefully be good. Maybe not as muggy as it is today on the Tuesday, 31st of May. But, you know, June rugby is always good to have. And I'd say get on down, support the boys. And, uh, you know, obviously this uh, season hasn't been um, everything in the arrow's favour. Obviously, lots of injuries to the squad. I think the lowest injury count that the arrows produce on a weekly basis was nine players at one point. So, obviously, if you have those few options don't even get me started on the scrum half situation that's been uh a pain to say the least but uh you know i think we should also with uh nothing to gain nothing to lose you know we should have a all-out tri-fest this uh sunday you know defense out the wind based on all glories the last games yeah yeah it's yeah uh, gonna be a shootout of some sort yeah, and, you know, something uh, fun to look forward to, you know, maybe get some players who haven't had much game time out, like, oh, what's that um, player, you know, hasn't played a game yet? Um, Jamie McKenzie. Yeah, have him come out on the game <laughs> yes, and uh, him have him run out in Arrow's colours. Only Beach has been playing pretty well. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it, it looked going so well at the 30-minute mark against Atlanta, and then it just all mm-hmm. fell away. Yeah, what do you I make think- of it, Derek? Uh, well, first of all, I think that is the most sad you have ever sounded doing one of these game recaps. You okay, man? Yeah, I'm all good. It's good. I, I mean, I wasn't good on Saturday. Did but. you like you? Yeah, well, maybe not. But I was like, man, you you got to the second half, and you're just like, yeah, and this guy scored a try, and this guy, and then the season's over. Um, well, so. well, I mean, was I wrong? I guess not. I guess not. Yeah. That's uh, that's not. The There's only so many ways I can polish it before it. Be, oh, it's great. Yeah, you know, we won't make the playoffs. We won't make the shield. But uh, yeah, you know, play yeah, with well, their I can. Uh, I'll echo your sentiment of uh, you know. Hopefully, everybody comes down. It'll be a, you know, it should be a fun last game, anyways. And it's uh, you know, old glory. Uh, say what you will about them and their performance this year, but they've they've been fun the past couple of weeks, anyway. So, um, yeah. should probably definitely have a. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a good game, and um. Yeah, you know, it's always uh, always nice to uh, get out in the sun. And uh, you know what? Even if it does rain, one of two things will happen. It's going to cool us down and that'll be welcome or it's going to evaporate before it hits the field anyways. <laughs> so it's fine. Um, all right. So on, on, to, on to the game itself. Obviously, uh, as you kind of said, it's like Atlanta got off to, I guess, 
Atlanta got off to a bit of a, a little bit of a better start. Um, Toronto didn't really touch the ball until it was already at least seven, nothing in, uh, in Atlanta's favor with Momsen scoring that really early try um, off the back of a Torres run as well. Um, those two guys played amazing for the whole 80 minutes as well. Um, a lot of really strong performances from Atlanta as a whole in this game. Um, but I think it, it's it's one of those things where I think, you know, as the arrows are kind of coming back and I know, you know, it's and they're leading at halftime and then unfortunately didn't score a point in the second half uh, again. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like watching this game and it's like there's certain segments of the game where the arrows are playing great rugby. Right. Obviously, you know, that era after the um, after seven, after the Momsen try where the arrows stretched that lead out, had a, did they have 23 in a row at one point. Um, right. So it's like they, they were kind of like, you know, doing really well. Um, right. Obviously, Malcolm, you know, taking advantage of some ill discipline from um, Atlanta as Malcolm was slotting penalties. Uh, I thought your, your Spider-Man analogy for Sheridan's good because I'm sure he had something. Looked like he had something uh, helping that ball stick to his hand as he tried to ground that. Kind of surprised they didn't take more of a look at it, to be honest with you. But uh, I'll uh, I'll gladly take that any day. Um, but then, yeah, like it was. It's a it's a weird. I guess it was a weird game. And I think the thing that in the second half, the arrows definitely had opportunities yeah. to win. Or I wouldn't necessarily say to win this game. Well, because I'm not. Not to try to take anything away from Atlanta, not to win the game necessarily, but yeah, to put points on the board to stop Atlanta's run as they uh, were coming back pretty hard in this game, and you know, and it's uh, it comes down to like I think two things that we've talked about a lot on this podcast yeah. this year, which was you know execution at the lineout and yeah. ability to finish. Right. And I think and uh, there's obviously certain points of the game where those two kind of go hand in hand where it's like, OK, there's a line out, you know, Atlanta gives up a penalty. Malcolm kicks to the corner. You're like five to ten meters out and the line outs overthrown or the lineup wasn't straight or, you know, or uh, or maybe even like uh, guys like Halu maybe got a hand on it. And even though the arrow still maybe won the line out, it really wasn't clean and the good platform for attack wasn't there. You weren't able to get the mall off. That kind of happened a lot in the second half. And then, you know, the lineout, I guess the lineout throughout the entire game wasn't the best either. And, you know, like um, the one for as bizarre as it is, one of the best examples of just um, some, I guess the issues of the lineout is the lineout right before Brody scored. Yeah. Where it's like, I think Bailey is in one pod and then he kind of runs to another. So he gets the movement and then nobody really jumps for the ball. Nobody there. There seems to be a miscommunication as to who's actually going up for the ball. And it just sails over the line out. Fortunately, Rumball's there. So he grabs it, has a nice run. And then off of that ruck, um, Momsen, and I think it's Sullivan um, at this point in the game already, um, because uh, Atlanta had some front row issues, two front a hooker and a prop had to enter the game within like the first like twenty five minutes. Yeah. Um. But so it's like they kind of go to the ruck, and Momsen pushes out w- probably a little too far, and no one's really contesting the ruck. So then Brody just picks it up and runs to that gap that Momsen opened up, and like it's 
you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, like that worked out really well, but that was also a really bad line out. Yeah. Um, right. And, you know, it worked out well, but unfortunately, you know, over the course of the game, not every line out that they overthrew ended up in an arrow's hand who wasn't, you know, part of that line out initially, who then wasn't able to turn that into a try within like one phase. Unfortunately, a lot of those lineouts ended with you know, um, Atlanta clearing the clearing the ball off of their line or turning it over or winning a penalty of their own or something. Right. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think it is kind of unfortunate. It's just, you know, it's unfortunate to, to see this. Um, I guess the season's not over. Obviously there's still one more game to be played, but you know, I guess the, uh, the dream of winning a shield is officially um, finished for this year and we'll have to wait until next season as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I think, uh, it just seems like the two, I don't know, Stu, what your opinion on this is, but it seems like the two biggest issues in this game to me are things that we've we've talked about all year. Yeah. Right? And um, I mean, one of the things that also should be mentioned is that this is now, of the seven games that the Arrows have lost this season, this is the fifth in which they walked away without getting a single table point. Yeah, and, okay. Well, and, like, And that's... And that's something that is obviously i'm not going to say it's been the difference between them getting into the playoffs and not because even if they had um so let's say they got a losing bonus point from those five games they'd be on 45 points and they'd still be out of the playoff race but if you look at like the western conference for example like houston are on the same um or Actually, not. I say Seattle are probably a better uh, example. They're on um, 15 games played, eight, uh, one, seven, lost, and they're on 41 points. And they obviously were unable to make up the difference against uh, Houston and uh, uh, San Diego as well. They're on eight wins, eight losses. So, you know, an, an extra loss on top of what Toronto already has, and they have 43 points. And they, whilst they were on a, you know, the same knife edge that Toronto were, they obviously had a better circumstantial um, place to be. So, if, for example, if these teams were in the East, they could have been challenging for playoff position. Like, yeah, that's, that's such a big, like, what if, though? Like, you can, I, I know, you can I know. say, like, what if this team was in the East? Well, they're not in the East, so yeah. what does it matter? Well, that's the thing. I am just talking in hypotheticals, but if you say that, okay, let's say not the game against, uh, the Arrows game against Seattle, because that was neither team got a tri-bonus point, but say the game against LA, the game against New York as well, uh, the game against Houston, on top of that, if um, the Arrows have gotten four tries and uh, within seven points on all three of those games, they would have an extra six points. And um, and then on top of that, two more games in which they have a losing bonus point. So that's eight points. That's eight points that they've left on the pitch. And if that was the case, they could potentially be challenging for a playoff spot now. You're- I think I think the overall thing I'm getting at here is that I feel that Toronto's attack hasn't been um, as strong this season as other seasons. They are, 
I believe, the third uh, lowest scoring team when it comes to tries, only uh, better than uh, Dallas and NOLA. So Dallas on 26, NOLA on 47, Toronto on 48. And when you look at the teams that are making the playoffs, they've all scored um, in excess of 57 tries. So Atlanta, Houston are on 57. LA are on uh, 58. Austin, New York, and New England have all scored over 60 tries. So, and this is the thing that needs to be focused on for next year because um, because I'm mentioning it about like getting the try bonus point, getting the losing bonus point as well. Those can be the difference between making the playoffs and not. And you know, and when you're only scoring 48 tries, and uh, Toronto are currently on the same uh, tries for and tries against, they've uh, scored 48 and they've conceded 48. Yeah, 48 and, conceded is sixth in the league too. Yeah, so yeah, it's uh, you know a you know an uh, average defense you can say for the tries against if they're only like six. You know they're definitely doing better than other teams like NOLA, DC, definitely Dallas, uh, Utah, but even San Diego as well. Uh, and even Houston, they um, conceded fewer tries. So, yeah, it's better than playoff teams. Um, yeah, so so that's so it's one of the things that I want, I want to be able to say that next year, this is what Toronto are focusing on. You know, they're focusing on a uh, new attacking style platform because... The one this year, whilst it's worked in some games, just hasn't worked uh, consistently. Obviously, there are things that are outside of Toronto's control, such as injuries and. But you know, it's the idea of like control the controllable. So we want to want to see a Toronto team that can attack and that can score. I mean, we've been talking about it about um, unable to convert um, territory in the twenty in the opposition in the opposition twenty two into points. Yeah, that's something we brought up recently. Uh, the uh, line out issues, like if you can get an attacking line out working well, you know, I think the driving mall is still the number one means of getting uh, points. That's how uh, everybody scores in the MLR. Exactly. So it's like one of the few ways anybody does, unless you have Ed Fido and can just let him run. Yeah, but then again, if you have an overthrown line out within that twenty-two, bam, you lost possession and. Yeah, you're back to square one all over again. So I think, and this is the thing: if I'm picking up on this, the arrows have definitely picked up on this. So, you know, I'm sure the uh, coaching staff is already um, hard at work, knowing what they need to get done for the 2023 season, what they can implement now against uh, DC this Sunday. Um, and you know, there are I, there are still like a lot of positives, like. Um, the game against New England, for example, showed great tenacity when you're down 11 nothing within like the first 10 to 15 minutes and then coming away with a win. The Arrows are currently the only team that have beaten New England but also haven't made the playoffs as well. The other team is uh, L.A. It's just, New England's only lost twice, so there's yeah. not a whole lot of options there. Exactly. But that's the thing. It's like, oh. Of the two teams that... New England yeah. has lost to, you're one of them. That's, yeah. you know, a scalp that you can claim with pride. Oh, for sure. Uh, and, you know, so 
I mean, like we're looking, I'm just looking at the table across like the league as well. Um, Seattle, uh, Houston, Toronto. There's not a lot of uh, difference between all of these teams. I mean, obviously um, the points and that um, who's making the playoffs or not, but yeah, as in, you can see that these teams all should be able to identify what they need to work on, what their current strengths are. But I'm sure the coaching staff already got their nose to the grindstone, already know what players they need to get, um, what needs to be done, how it can be achieved. There's a lot of players I'd like to see back next season, but I also know like this is the beast of professional sports. It's not going to be a one-to-one. <laughs> I, th- I think we can wait till next week to eulogize the team. Yeah. Um, but 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 that's the thing. Uh, I know I've been saying that. Like, oh, this is what they need to focus on focus on for next year. I mean, we've had some great revelations. We have some fantastic games this season, and I think ending yeah. it with a barnstormer at uh, the Lions Den at York Lions Stadium is uh, the perfect way to see off yeah. twenty twenty two for the Arrows. So yeah, so I think you bring up some interesting points. Um, Looking at the uh, the league table that's on America's Rugby News, the Toronto Arrows, eight bonus points, is the second least in the league, only ahead of Dallas, who has four. Um, but I think my one issue, though, with in saying it's like, oh, like we can go through the season and say all these scenarios where we're like, the Arrows left this bonus point on the board or they left this bonus point on the board, all right, is, well... That means we have to go through New York and Atlanta's season and figure out all the spots where they left bonus points on the board too, right? So even if the arrows pick up like three or four extra bonus points, maybe Atlanta or New York had three or four extra bonus points somewhere that they could have got um, in their losses, right? Like that's the only way to really, I think that's the only really real way to do that fairly. The biggest thing when I look at the standings and it's like bonus points are funny, to be honest, I think bonus points are a way to fake parity in a league um, because really the biggest thing that, right, because especially it's like as any hockey fans will know, the teams that claim to be 500, but they really have 11 shootout losses. You're not 500. Um, you have 11 You have eleven shootout losses. Those are losses, um, right? And I think sometimes, especially with that losing bonus point, it's like it's a, right, like Dallas shouldn't have points on the stand. Like they've, they've been terrible. Like it, like, you know, actually I don't think, do they even have a losing bonus point? There's probably a couple of games where they scored four tries. I don't even know. Um, yeah. But they, I think, like, so yeah, they, they don't go into the, they don't uh, break try bonus or losing bonus. Yeah. Point. It's just, just bonus points. Yeah. So, but the big thing that I look at right now, looking at the standings is the Toronto arrows have two less wins in Atla- than Atlanta and New York. Yeah who are both 10 and five, the Euros are eight and six, and they only have one game to not to catch that up. Right. So yeah, bonus points are not the gap, the gap, to, the gaps wins, right? The winning is the most important thing. Um, you look at the free Jacks sit at the top of the table. They, they only have nine bonus points, but the reason they're at the top of the table isn't because of bonus points. Cause they got 13 wins. They just yeah, set yeah. the MLR record for the most wins in a single season this year. Right. And they still got one more to play. So we could be looking at, uh, we could might be looking at the first 14 and two team in MLR, right? So yeah, um, it's, it's been a historic season from them. And, you know, just cause they, they don't have the bonus points to necessarily show for it. Right. There's, there's a lot of teams in the league, including the San Diego Legion who have missed the playoffs that have more bonus points than the free Jacks. Utah warriors have missed the playoffs and they have more bonus points than the free Jacks. Um, so, I mean, bonus points, I think they're obviously fun and they're obviously super important, but at the end of the day, you got to win first. And right now the arrows have two less wins 
um, than New York and Atlanta, which is to me the main reason why they're out of the playoffs. Um, right. Especially when you look at a team like New England or teams like Utah, who have um, the most Utah has tied for the most bonus points in the league at 12, yeah. and they are four and 11. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it makes it makes this, it might make the standings look a little bit closer and stuff, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, they're four and 11. Right. So it's um, they're nowhere near the playoff spot, even if they have bonus points. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I guess that's kind of my thought on that. Um, it'd be interesting though. I'm not like to maybe kind of go back and see what it would look like, or even to go through the standings and take away everybody's bonus points and see what the standings actually look like without bonus points. Yeah. Um, I, but um, it's probably not that different because everybody who has more wins is going to be on top. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's just kind of my thoughts on that, but um, you know, I think, I think right now though, if you're, if you're the Toronto arrows and stuff, and I think, I think like you can kind of like, you know, if you're looking at this game, there's some guys that, you know, over the course of the season, I thought like Foley still was probably one of the arrows best players, um, yeah. in this game. Um, you know, Rumball, I think has been playing really well over the past couple of weeks. Um, I was really like, he looked like he was going to set the tone super early. He had a nice, really early breakdown steal. He kept up his like work rate and everything, but you know, unfortunately, uh, the tone that got set didn't exactly last for the, the entirety of the game. Um, I thought hood, hood, I thought did pretty well at fullback too. I thought he had some nice, like high ball takes and some good kick chases and stuff. Um, but like, you know, there's obviously a lot of guys on Atlanta that played really well too. And, you know, I thought uh, Heaton and Keys made a pretty big impact. Barton coming in late in the game too, made a bit of a big impact. Um, Cole Davis was in the fire and ice cup picture in a track suit. So that's kind of nice, but um, you know, not, not a, not a huge impact on the game, I guess. Uh, but yeah. Um, so I think though, like if, if you are the arrows, it's like, you still got one more game. You got one more game against old glory. And, you know, I think when you kind of look at that, it's like every team wants to end the season on a high note. Right. Yeah. So I think like that's that's the focus. I think, you know, you turn into this week, you uh, if you're Peter Smith, you maybe put the put the best lineup forward that you can. Um, you know, maybe there's one or two guys that, you know, based on like work ethic or anything this year, maybe if you deserves a start in the final game or something like that, that's fine. But like. You know, you, you have an old glory team that, uh, you know, is going to be coming into this and they're probably going to be thinking much the same way. Right. Like that they want, you know, they want to end their year on a high note. Right. Yeah. And so it's, uh, you know, even though as you, you kind of called it earlier, a dead rubber and stuff, it's like, you know, maybe it's a, a dead rubber in the sense that it's not going to make much of an impact on the standings in any way, shape or form. But I'm sure the game still means a lot to the players. Right. Because. Everybody, no, you know, at the very least, you can, uh, you know, if you can get that opportunity to end your year on a high note and stuff, right? It'll make a, you know, even though it'll be disappointing to be watching the uh, playoffs from your couch, but you know, it'll make uh make the the final post match beers taste a little bit sweeter. And I think, I think that's kind of kind of what you're aiming for uh, during this game. You, everybody wants to end the year on a high and keep building building towards next year, right? Because especially like, I mean, you've seen what like i mean we've seen this league like uh new england didn't make the play new england didn't make the playoffs last year right mm-hmm. um and they're top of their league um austin um was 0 16 didn't make the playoffs last year 
they were one of the best teams in the West all year. Houston, after five years in this league, made a lot of um, smart signings, some new coaching staff, um, new management, right? And now, they, you know, they're cap- looking at their first playoff berth too, right? So, you know, you can flip it really quick in this yeah. league, right? And so, I mean, if you're if you're the Arrows, if you're Old Glory DC, like that's kind of the mindset that you're probably having right now. Look to end that year on a high note and then build towards next season in the offseason. Yeah, that's the thing is that, uh, you know, it's obviously upsetting to not make it to the playoffs this year. But, you know, the clock resets. We go again February next year and, uh, you know, just got to make sure you make all the right decisions in the offseason now because this is where the important decisions get made of like, who gets signed, um, anything that can be done in the off-season. Obviously, there's going to be the um, Canada men's uh, fixtures this uh, coming July, as well as you know, other things happening in the rugby world. Maybe there'll probably be another rugby rally in the fall this coming year. And you know, building on the Canadian talent that's already there, um, international players may go play for uh, their clubs back in like New Zealand or Argentina or Uruguay and you know just keeping tabs on how everything's going and keeping things um, up to date we uh, know that uh, you know as I said it's not going to be a one for one team carryover ideally uh, not making any emergency signings for scrum half uh, this time next year would be a uh, Lovely. You know, everyone's uh, fighting fit uh, in number nine jersey. And yeah, and then you just got to have that positive attitude coming in and saying like, look, uh, as you said, Houston been towards the bottom of the table for the last four seasons. And now they're fighting in the playoffs against uh, Austin and LA. And, you know, it's, it's just a matter of patience more than anything. As in, You want to make... Uh, smart decisions and it may even be a case of that if you're developing younger talent you know you gotta just uh give them a few seasons to get up to tempo and then suddenly you find yourself in the uh, eastern uh playoff final without whilst you're watching the uh eliminator happening because you're already so good that you've already uh, mm-hmm. made it so that's the thing we you know, I think maybe we're a bit spoiled because obviously in the Arrows first season, they make the uh, MLR playoffs. And now mm-hmm. we just uh, have the expectation of them doing it every season. Obviously, 2020 and 2021 had big asterisks over how those seasons went. And this is um, according to uh, the Arrows team saying this is the first proper season. They've been able to get like the full uh, preseason and yeah. games at home as well for the first time in uh, three years. And, you know, it just as long as there's no other global pandemic that happens anytime soon. <laughs> Hope not. Yeah, I think it's uh, all positive for the Arrows. Uh, speaking of um, young players and the Arrows, it's also been lots of action for the Arrows Academy because the Coast to Coast Cup has officially begun. And on the same day that... Uh, the senior team faced uh, Rugby ATL. The Arrows faced the Atlantic Selects and what were a very wet and very physical. You know, it was an unfortunate result uh, for 
Toronto for the uh, academy team with uh, the final score being the Atlantic Selects 15 and the Senior Academy 10. And then today we've had a, another game in the Coast to Coast Cup because being the host, the Atlantic Selects get a full week's rest, uh, mm-hmm. but the Senior Academy only get a few days and they came up against the Canada West Selects and you know, as the um, commentary team were going over the Canada West selects and saying like, oh yeah, this guy, you know, he's a bit older than the uh, academy boys. So, you know, years more experience. I was thinking, oh no, this is not going to be a close <laughs> game. And I unfortunately was correct. Um, the West selects are made up of players yeah. from all over um BC, uh, including some players that have even played in the uh, Coastal it's, Cup. I was to say, it's the Coastal Cup All-Star team. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, basically like a semi-professional team against a academy team that have only really been participating for the last few months, to my knowledge. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll spare you the gory details. Um, the West Selects won 64-19 to 19 over the academy side, so... A uh, mm-hmm. bit of a bruiser, to say the least, but um, that unfortunately re- relegates the um, Arrows boys to the bottom of the Coast to Coast Cup. And this Saturday, June 4th at 4pm, you can see the Atlantic Selects versus the Canada West Selects in the final to determine who lifts the Coast to Coast Cup. That'll be this Saturday, June 4th at 4pm. Now, we have a few questions from our viewers because we are delayed in recording this. This was, uh, we're actually recording on Tuesday today. And um, as a benefit, we've been able to get a few questions. So uh, we have a question from Dan, uh, former co-host, saying, should the arrows wear red again? Derek, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, um, Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Is that is that the issue? Is that Atlanta was in blue, and the blue the blue team was supposed to win this game, and then uh, they they uh, got the uh, the colors mixed up. And you actually, know, before before we answer this question, I gotta say that the Arrows military appreciation kit was wonderful. There is a lot of actually really good. There's a lot of great appreciation uh, kits. This uh, year. I got. I think the uh, winners of best appreciation kit have to be Utah with their. Oh my gosh! Yes, uh, no, hundred percent. Air Force uh, slash yeah. Top Gun inspired. Uh, yeah, the the Thunderbird thing, and also yeah. like they get the bonus points for the proper like video tee like the proper tease and then video drop of those jerseys and also the fact that top gun maverick came out this weekend although i haven't had a chance to see it yet have you uh not yet unfortunately no. and the thing is my best friend is a diehard top gun fan so yeah oh, i really he, want to go he's, see it he is desperate for having a yeah, chat it, about all the details and i have to get on that as soon yeah as it feels like one of those movies that i feel like i need a really big screen and uh, the loudest speaker as possible to actually watch properly so yeah. hopefully gonna get out there soon um yeah uh i also really i really liked austin's too like the blacked out with like the orange i guess american flag on it i thought that looked kind of cool yeah, because um, that, that's the thing. I saw it and I thought, like, is that camouflage? And it's like, you have to squint. And yeah. See. It's not you know what I think but... that's one of the things that I think I really liked about these is it's like, I like that there was a lot of the, the team seemed to put a lot more creative effort into it than just like, here's our team colors and camouflage. Yeah. Right. And it's like the team, like, it looked like 
you know, across the boards for, for a lot of teams, especially as you mentioned, Utah, right. Where there was like, yeah, like we're going like, here's a cool, like airplane inspired, you know, fighter jet inspired design, um, based on, you know, based on, I guess, um, like an air force base in Utah. I'm not hundred percent sure on what that history is, to be honest with you. Um, but I thought that was a really cool idea. Right. And a lot of the other, a lot of teams I thought did really well at that, or at least, you know, in, in the sense, in like the idea of like, I think the Toronto arrows, um, actually that's, in, some, that's something like, I, they I would kind like, of to... like hid the camouflage a little bit better, even if it's yeah. on it. All right. This is something I want to bring up because if there's any team that should be using a like aircraft inspired design, it should be yeah. the team that's named after a named Canadian after the aircraft. Airplane, yeah. Well, I think I think I like though because I mean I know like the Blue Jays do it a lot too when they um because obviously like there's a handful uh for the baseball season obviously you run into Memorial Day this past weekend you're also running into um you know Canada Day and the Fourth of July later right so like the Blue yeah. Jays have always been kind of that team that you know really like rocks like the red and white when especially yeah. like on those weekends that kind of cross with you know some of the American holidays and stuff so I, I love the uh, the arrows. Ro- going with a full out like the canadian color scheme and stuff um but yeah you know what maybe uh you know maybe maybe next year maybe they'll have a little more uh like an avro arrow kind of design to it um but should they wear so i mean should they wear red again i mean like yeah sure i i, I wouldn't mind that it'd be cool to have um it's uh you're the only canadian team in the league so i think like if there's um, you can get away with it yeah exactly it's like, like you can i think you can do things like that especially when um on a holiday like Memorial Day, when it's like obviously a very patriotic day for, um, you know, Americans or friends south of the border, um, especially with like the military appreciation. Um, it's definitely it's something that, you know, the arrows can do to stand out, you know, go with a, uh, you know, go with a Canadian flag design thing. And, you know, I, I do uh, I do actually really like it. And it's also kind of fun. It's just I don't know. I, I think it's fun. Um, I would totally, totally wear I would wear red again. I mean, obviously it's not going to be a regular thing. You're going to probably wear it for a one-off game, but uh, you know, if it was, uh, if it was like, it's not like old glory where I'm like, they should wear cherry blossoms every single game now, apparently, because <laughs> apparently that's the problem. Right. I'm just going to say like, right. Like the cherry blossom jerseys two and oh, everything else they've worn um, yeah. oh, for whatever, how many games that is. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I would wear red again. I think it's, I think it's cool. Why not? I mean, it's unfortunate they lost, but I would still rock red used to. I- I think that the issue was they didn't wear enough red because if you go back and watch red, well, the shorts, the same shorts as always. So they're white and blue and the socks are white and blue as well. So I think what needs to happen next year is they have like matching shorts and matching socks as well. You know, complete the look. That's why, that's why the game was so disjointed. They were so good in the first half, but then they were bad in the second half. And it's because the kit didn't match. That's the reason. Yeah. Okay, okay, arrows team. That's yeah. what you need to sort out. I think Matching that's something for every fantasy jersey that you wear next year. Yeah, that I think that's that is something that I've noticed. Like with uh, the city jerseys and the military appreciation jerseys, is some of the teams that have, you know, altered their normal colors to fit something. Um, you know, it's like when the jersey doesn't match the shorts and the socks, it looks a little off. Like uh, when, when Seattle city jerseys black, but they still wear blue and green shorts. Yeah. Right? So it's like, it's a little, the look itself is a little off. Um, but yeah, I mean, beyond that, yeah, I'd still wear red. Can it, can this team man embrace it? 
Exactly. Okay, next question we have is from Raheem. And um, the basic crux of his uh, question was, do you think there is any chance of Toronto hosting Rugby World Cup games either in 2031 and or 2033? I so, mean, I think it's way, way, way too early to really say Yeah. on that. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, for, you know, I think – the best, I think, obviously, the best hope that for Canadian involvement at either one of those World Cups is probably like one stadium somewhere in the country is used as a venue for maybe one game, yeah, or two games. Um, right? Like, I think, obviously, when the USA announced that their, their bid was successful, there was no Canadian cities on the list of countries or on the list of possible host locations. Um, I remember like when we talked about it, Patrick Johnston mentioned he asked Jamie Levchuk about it. And they kind of said that they were, you know, looking at and working with USA rugby to, in order to, you know, maybe figure out some possibilities of how rugby Canada, USA rugby can kind of work together on this. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens with this, but I guess, um, yeah, I guess my answer to that question is I think it's way too early to, to tell or to see or, there's uh there's too much time in between it. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it probably has a better chance that uh maybe maybe the women's tournament has a better chance considering the Canadian women team's standings on the world stage. But hmm. um, I think ultimately, yeah, it's too early. I think it's too early to tell. Well, we'll see what happens. I guess. Yeah, my opinion on this is that if a Canadian stadium is going to be chosen, from what the rumor mill has been circulating, is that the plan is they want the Men's World Cup to start on the West Coast and then move uh, across the country and the East Coast hosts, like the finals, the bronze final, things like that. So from that understanding, it appears that if a Canadian city is um, going to be chosen, it's probably going to be on the West Coast for the pool stages and there would therefore probably most likely be BC Place. Um, which is um, able to have a closed roof, um, a higher seating capacity than um, BMO Field as well. And again, same time zone, so it's easier to organize games as well. There's um, less likely of having a clash with um, NFL teams if you don't have an NFL team at the stadium. Yeah, um, but that's, obviously the, 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 uh, CFL, the CFL schedule is worse for that, though. The yeah. CFL starts in July and runs through November. Yeah. Well, like the CFL schedule is even harder to work around with that. And I mean, I think the, um, at the end of the day too, I think like the important thing is like the United States of America has the most professional sports stadiums of anywhere on the planet. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, that, that it, that's, it's one of those yeah. things where I'm like, it would be nice to have a game in Canada. But I, I don't. The USA does not need Canada's help hosting yeah. an international sporting event. Yeah, that's that's. Right. It's not a case of oh, like no. in the in England, for example, where it's like, oh, we're going to have it at these football stadiums and this football stadium. Oh, but we need one more place. How about the Millennium Stadium, like the one of the largest rugby specific stadiums in the world? It's not. No. It's not the same for. Um, 
yeah and i mean uh, like also States. i think like the other thing too is is like obviously um the the usa is hosting the like the world cup before the the world cup um the fifa world cup i guess i gotta specify yeah. my world cups when we're yeah. just talking world cups here the, the unimportant world cup yeah the le- the less cool world cup and they're also hosting an olympics so i mean i don't like i don't really necessarily know what those plans are but it's also like nfl teams are constantly building new stadiums and stuff too yeah right like you know colleges are constantly building new stadiums yeah. too to me to be honest, i like, think all that i care about so f- is not the stadium but also the transportation to like get you there because obviously lots of europeans oh, cool. are going to be coming over and there's only so many ubers in these cities i'd like uh if uh, you, you, a, don't, you don't you don't think you don't think new york or la is prepared for hosting major events oh no new york is la is it's these like college uh, stadiums that have been rumored. Dude, the college out. stadiums are bigger. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan. But it's, get, it's not that. It's getting to the stadiums. Yeah, That's no, they're the totally concern. prepared for that. You think Michigan hasn't figured out how to get people to the big house? Hundred and ten thousand yeah. seat stadium, and it's in uh, what I can't remember what the town's called, but it's yeah. like, yeah, like come on. Like, either they, way, they get people. There. Either way, um, so my answer is I think it's. A very slim possibility for yeah. 2031 and i think it's even less likely for 2033 because remember that canada hosted the women's uh world cup i believe in 20 well that, that's why i think it's actually more likely for the women's because it's like they've done it before and the women's team is really good so- that is true but i but i think if the united states want to have any advantage especially over canada and i don't think they'll be um giving them any opportunity to play at home just because they're, and even though this we're talking about now, this is uh, obviously a decade down the line. So um, I think, uh, so Raheem, to answer your question, I think it's very unlikely for both World Cups. I think it's just not so much unlikely, but too too early to even probably have this conversation. And the final question we got off uh, Karen G, the Queen B. Uh, whose anthem game is the best? And we were having a quick discussion about this earlier. One, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what that question is, but two, most of the games that are shown on the rugby network don't show the anthem. So ah, I don't know. You know if, if you ask who has the better anthem, I think it's clearly obvious that Canada has the better anthem. <laughs> but who, which team performs or has their has the best performance of the national anthem? Yeah, now that's a different question, and that isn't a question that unfortunately we cannot answer because yeah, uh, they they don't show it, which I mean, is I, strange. Yeah. But I think it is what it is. The arrows have had like a handful of like really good performers doing the anthems this year. They've all been very enjoyable. Um, the big one I always remember is when the arrows had to play Colorado. Um, I think is it in 2020? I think when they yeah, it was Colorado? like the last game or whatever. Uh... And yeah, and like Colorado forgot to play the Canadian anthem. Yeah, that was whatever. Like, like, That's like the one thing that sticks thing. out to me. But like, um, yeah, if we're talking like is who performs it the best? Yeah, I think I'd probably sh- I'd turn the game on usually after the anthems probably yeah. done anyways whichever team can get a full choir to perform the national anthem yeah. then they win that's uh that's my opinion yeah, no it'll be wild there's um there's some really there's some really good like international ones though yeah like uh the welsh national anthem. yeah like when you get um 
but like you get like principality stadium like during the welsh national anthem that place is rocking that's a lot of fun. yeah um, I, that's really- I actually love it during the world during the 2015 world cup or any world yeah. cup because uh world rugby uh laws state that if a stadium uh in during the rugby world cup has a retractable roof it must remain closed so yeah so no, no matter who's performing in that stadium you hear that anthem all over it's yeah phenomenal. like it, it's just really loud which is cool i mean um it's, it's funny because it's like i think like especially in rugby when i'm like oh like cool like pre-game stuff i'm like yeah like uh you know new zealand has a haka like yeah like th- that's so much cooler than an anthem anyways and stuff um but like those are obviously cool but um yeah i guess so i guess we'll leave it at that i'm not i'm not really sure if that answered karen's question at all but no neither um, am i but uh it's the answer we're giving yeah we'll see we'll see you on sunday karen but you can please let us know and uh, we we might revisit this with a proper understanding of what was being asked here okay we're gonna um just move back to the mlr because there have been some canadian performances in round 17 uh, we'll start off with uh, Seattle versus Houston. As I mentioned earlier, this was a game that Seattle won, but Houston did everything they needed to do to ensure that they made the playoff first by not only getting the uh, try bonus point with four tries, but it was a Canadian that secured Houston making the playoffs, and that was Robbie Povey with a penalty in the red to take his team within seven points and get them that second uh, bonus point. So, Mr. Povey, congratulations. And congratulations to all of Houston for getting to the playoffs for the first time in they made their history. Hilarious playoff shirts, too. It's got the uh, the astronaut that was on the city jersey yeah. with, like, the little, like, rock and roll, like, devil's horn things that says, like... Said something like Houston, we're we're going to the playoffs or something like that. I mean um, that. Is, I mean, if any yeah. if any team was gonna do that, I think yeah, no, it's good, man. Check uh, check Houston's like feeds right now or whatever. It's a pretty good shirt. All right, and then we move on to another Western clash. This was between oh, Utah. Also, Zach Pangelian in like tears as one of the OG. Oh yeah, no like that that image is yeah fantastic. That's, and he scored the try that Povey converted to actually send them there too, which is no. Uh, it, it was the penalty um, that got uh, Houston into the playoffs. But obviously, uh, Pangolinen's try and Povey's conversion got them. Yeah, that's um, what I meant. He Pangolinen scored the try that Povey had to convert. Yeah, Povey can't convert if there's no try. No, it was a penalty. Was it a penalty? I thought it was play. a conversion that he did. Well, I mean, po- Povey did um, have to kick the ball uh, three times within the space of five minutes, so oh. it's easy to get confused. Is, is that what I mean, we're getting confused on? Okay. No, well. well, that's the thing. Um, Good for Houston. Good yeah. for Houston, anyway. Boyer, Nick Boyer, Zach Pangolinen, and a penalty um, got. Yeah, because they were down by what would have been like seventeen points um, from where they were, so they were on. Yeah, I think like nineteen. And then mm. within five minutes, they just turn it around and secure a playoff. So congratulations to them. Okay, and now we have another Western clash between Utah and L.A. L.A. obviously trying to secure the um, home berth for the Western playoff final, which they currently lead by one point. But obviously Utah 
you know, they're out of the playoffs, but they're definitely not going to go down without a fight. And this was a, you know, brutal encounter. Um, each team needing to score tries as soon as they could. Um, it was just a complete back and forth between um, scoreline and try scorers. Although uh, we didn't have Canadian effort because um, Stevens for LA scored in the 46 minutes of so the first try after halftime for LA, you know, on the way to getting that uh, try bonus point before Tuala and Gomeshez got the fourth and fifth. And, you know, a lot of it in discipline from um, Utah. Uh, Mano with a yellow card in the 39th minute. Um, Burns with a yellow card in the 45th minute. So, you know, down to uh, 13 men for at least uh, four or five minutes. And then Saunders got a try in the 56th minute. And then Saunders received a red card just I think it was, I don't know if it was before or after the final whistle for a back chat with the referee. I think so, it was a, uh, technically after the final whistle. Yeah, it's, it's uh, as Summers was walking off. Yeah, so that was uh, yeah. unusual. <laughs> well, well, the moral of the story, kids, is uh, keep it to yourself because <laughs> uh, you never see the card flashing, and uh, you know that's one game in which you won't be playing. Um, Okay, we have the final uh, Western clash of the weekend, uh, Austin versus San Diego. San Diego, by this point, had uh, discovered that they would not be able to make the playoffs no matter what they did. But again, you know... Also their last game of the season, too. Yeah, you know, because uh, they have a bye week uh, next week. So this is where it all comes to an end for them. Uh, But again, this was a game in which uh, both teams got tri-bonus points. uh, And... Austin, uh, just uh, one more try and a few more conversions and a couple more penalties to just get them over. Um, it is important to mention that uh, for San Diego, it was you know ever infallible uh, former vice captain of the team, Michael Smith, getting the ball over for San Diego, getting that uh, try bonus point. You know the game is already lost at that point, but you know never say die. And, yeah, um, obviously, uh, Smith, um, Higgins, Thiel. um, Lloyd. Lloyd. uh, Is there anyone? And um, why not? Why not? I was about to say Higgins again for some reason. Um, (laughs) Yeah, those uh, Canadians are now uh, take a focus to the international season coming up, the two games uh, that Canada will be hosting against uh, Belgium and now Spain. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, something that they can get their eyes on and yeah. look forward to. And I was just going to say, like, as San Diego's winding down their season, it's, like, nice to see Mike Smith kind of get get their last try of the year. Um, yeah. It's just what a phenomenal season he had. Oh, like, well, well, this is it. We've been saying that, the um, back line of the forwards is going to be a major headache for Canadian selectors to pick. Yeah, and, uh, and he's definitely made a case for uh, for one of those jerseys too. Yeah, right? I, so, I, yeah, I'd have, I'd have Smith nailed on for. Yeah, no, like players. I think, like yeah, if we're who do they play first? They play Spain first. Is the game Belgium. Spain first? Belgium Belgium's first. first. Yeah. Belgium's first. Um, yeah, like he yeah. he should definitely be looked at to start that game. Well, well like, considering um, Smith's uh, 
dismissal against Belgium last time around. I'm sure he'll be wanting to make amends for yeah, yeah. that well, game. So, yeah, we we will see. But obviously, an extra week to help you prepare um, never goes. Uh, now, this is something. Um, so last week we had the highest scoring game in MLR history with uh, DC. And DC liked it so much, they decided to do it again, do it again. this time with New York. Um, yeah, this was an absolute tri-fest, I think. Doug Frazier got it going, too. Yeah, Doug Frazier got the ball started. And uh, it's ball started, ball rolling, if they are afraid to, within uh, six minutes. So already starting off with uh, DC getting a score ahead of New York. Uh, then we had um, penalty tries, then... Dalatinia um, scoring two, Cypher Loy scoring one, uh, Brown, Saul, Robertson Nana all scoring, uh, Naholo with two, uh, Geiger with one, McManus with one, Andy Ellis as well. And then Ed Finnow, uh, who had, I believe, scored nine tries earlier this season, has now put himself into the top try scorer of MLR this season because he got a hat trick within the space of 20 minutes of playing time. So his first in the 32nd, his second try in the 46th minute and his third try in the 52nd minute. And uh, obviously New York at this time knew that they had secured the playoff um, berth, but they now needed to determine whether they would get home advantage or not. Or as you mentioned before, have um, a way advantage by just having a wider pitch, which uh, could obviously really help them out. Well, but yeah, I mean, fun- Fido scoring tries, Nahalo scoring tries, Nahalo's making other plays. Probably Nahalo's best game since he's come over too. Yeah, Milner Scudder, a couple nice grubber kicks setting up tries too. Yeah, but dangerous what, back. So, something I just find really weird is like tr- trying to explain to uh, like new fans of rugby that one team scored 49 points and still lost this game. Hey, man. I mean, yeah. you know, but, yeah, so it is what it is. It's, yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I think like, but you know what though? Like the, it, the other thing with it is I, I'm, I love seeing DC play like this because, you know, I mean, I don't know if Nate Osborne is enjoying it as much, yeah. but like, you know, the thing is, like, when you look at, like, pro sports yeah. as a whole, let's look at Major League Rugby. A 13-team league, six teams are going to make the playoffs, one team's going to be the champion. Yeah. Everybody, though, all 13 teams have to sell tickets. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to be at the bottom of the table, like Old Glorious, be fun at the bottom of the table. And right now, Old Glory Old Glory's fun right now, man. These kids, yeah. like... I'll watch 14, 15, 16 try games or whatever. Like there, how many tries were actually scored in this game? Uh, let me just do it. What is it? Yeah. Like, oh, what's the actual number? 16. Yeah, exactly. Who who doesn't want to watch a 16 try game? Yeah. Okay. Like, no, like they're, they're fun at the very least. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's uh good on old glory, man. Like if you're going to be at the bottom of the table, be fun at the bottom of the table. Right. So that's, yeah, that's that enjoyable. basically works out as a try every five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Which, which you fun. know, is a good, uh, good way who, of uh, getting tries. Yeah. Who's not having, who, who wasn't having fun watching this game? Uh, probably, uh, other than the coaching DC staff, players. who wasn't having, other than both coaching staffs, who wasn't having fun watching this game? 
uh, yeah, uh, the guys on the field watching uh, Fidau score his third try. <laughs> yeah, oh, the, the guys that had to work the scoreboard clock didn't get paid yeah. extra for this game. <laughs> Uh, okay. And the final game of the weekend, which was uh, not as close an affair between uh, as uh, compared to DC and New York. This was uh, New England versus Nola Gold with New England after their loss to Toronto, knowing that they needed a win to secure their place in the Eastern Conference final. And secure it, they did because they ran rampant all over Nola. Um, even with a yellow card, they managed to score 57 points before Matthews of Nola was able to get the one try of the game. And, you know, um, I didn't realize Cam Dolan was the selected kicker for <laughs> New Orleans, but uh, he lined up and unfortunately, uh, you know, sail wide. Maybe it's the, uh, I don't know, lack of time kicking. Oh, but, uh, he, he clearly needs some uh, lessons from Sophie the Goody. Uh, exactly, it's, being yeah. uh, a yeah, number did, eight that can kick. Yeah, I know it's the it's, Goody makes that touchline so kick. so disappointing. To yeah. see. I'm just saying the Goody yeah. makes that kick from the touchline. And interestingly, from all this, of all the point scorers for New England, uh, not one of them was Canadian. So we shall swiftly move on from there. So as we've been alluding to, the Canada's men's team will now be facing Spain in their match in Ottawa on July 10th. Spain are replacing the French Barbarians. This now means that this game goes from being an exhibition match with no caps to a fully capped international game. Spain currently ranked, I believe, 13th in uh, the World Rugby Men's Rankings. Uh, Canada, not so high. Uh, I believe they are 22nd at the moment. Um, but, you know, I think this should be a good uh, test for uh, the Canadian men to have. Um, obviously, they would have played Belgium. Spain's 15th, Canada's 21st. Ah, so one's worse and one's Yeah, you know, same ballpark, roughly. Um <laughs> But, you know, I think this would be a good test to measure. Spain, um, for those who've been out to the loop, currently appealing their um, relegation from the Rugby World Cup, citing uh, Ireland and Scotland international players that have been selected, as well as um, this was also recently announced, I believe today, that one of the Romanian players may be uh, ineligible um, for Romania and that may mean that Romania get dock points, which would then put Spain in the rapid charge place. However, this is all ongoing. Nothing has been confirmed. Nothing has been changed. What we can say for certain is at the moment, Spain will be facing Canada on July 10th in Ottawa. And if you have already bought tickets and you're now thrilled that you get to see Spain instead of the French Barbarians, congratulations. Um, but Rugby Canada have announced that if anyone... Um, once a refund, they can have one. And you know, if you're and if you were thinking like I don't want to see the barbarians, but I do want to see a full test, well, lucky you, because now you do, and you can get those tickets. You know, I still think there's a fair few tickets going, and obviously being in the nation's capital at TD Place should be definitely one for the history books. 
I think uh, Spain's a better matchup, anyways. Like, yeah, I think play, I'd rather play a test match, even if you know. I mean, obviously, they're really upset about why they're not in the World Cup right now, and as you mentioned, still ongoingly appealing that, and you know. Definitely in the appealing process, throwing some shade at some of the tier one nations for sure. So that's always fun too. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Spain's obviously a really good team, man. And um, I think I, I think you'd probably benefit more from that than playing like a, I guess, what's the French Barbarians? Like an invitational side, I guess. Yeah. So it's, sa- it's the same as the Barbarians team. Yeah, exactly. Specifically like, only for French players. Yeah, so, I think you probably get a little bit more out of uh, a full proper test match than you would out of that game anyway. So um, We now move from the men's 15s to the men's 7s because it was the London 7s this past weekend. And, you know, uh, Canada weren't really in what I'd call the easiest group uh, to be in. They had their first pool match against France, which they narrowly lost 19-4. Then they went up against Australia, and certainly lost that game, 26-5. But, I mean, France, Australia, who could you face next? How about New Zealand? And they lost that game as well, 40-14. Uh, to 14. So three losses in the pool stage had them, obviously, at the bottom of the uh, ranking games. Uh, and they were up against Argentina. So they lost that game, 28-7. Then... They played Wales and narrowly won that game 21-22 before they then faced Japan. And they won that game as well, 26-19, which leaves the men's sevens in 13th position. Um, And, you know, it's when you see that pool, France, (laughs) Australia, New Zealand, there's only one way you can see it going, unfortunately. What are you uh, going to do? Yeah, but I mean, finishing 13th is nothing to snub at. They are still currently out of the drop zone of being relegated um, out of the uh, World 7 circuit. So there is still one final round. That is the rescheduled um, US 7s in Los Angeles, which will take place in August. This will be after the Commonwealth Games and just before the World Cup. So whilst it will be seen for Canada to secure their place in next year's World 7s. It's obviously a bit of a warm-up as well for the World Cup in September in South Africa. And today it has already been announced that the calendar for the uh, World 7s 22-23 season has been revealed. And it is a doozy. We have not only the continuation of the record equaling 11 rounds for the men's series we now have seven rounds for the women's series as well so the calendar is as follows it will begin on the 4th or 6th of november for the hong kong sevens that's the men's only then we have the dubai sevens on the 2nd or 3rd of december that's men and women's then we move on to Cape Town for the 9th and 11th of December for another men and women's tournament. Then in 2023, uh, we start the year off with New Zealand 7th. Again, this will be for men and women. And then it is on to Sydney for the men's and women's 7th there. On the 25th of February, we will go to Los Angeles for the US 7th, which will be a men's only competition. Before we come to the Canada Sevens on the 3rd and 5th of March, 
And for the first time ever, the women will also be joining the men at BC Plates. This will be a joint event for the Canada Sevens. Uh, we then move back. Absolutely. And I've heard flights are incredibly cheap right now. I think it's under $200 return for uh, Toronto to Vancouver, if you're thinking of going out there from the GTA. Uh, then we go back to Hong Kong, this time on the 31st of March to the 2nd of April. And this is for the men's and women's uh, round of Hong Kong 7s. You know, Hong Kong have uh, been absent from the calendar for a number of years due to COVID and now have two tournaments coming back. One, The first one just for men and the second one for men and women. We then move on to the Singapore 7s, which will be a men's only competition before we then get to May and it'll be the France 7s again between the men and women before we conclude in London on the 20th to the 21st of May for the men's 7s. And it is important to remember that the top four teams of both the men's and women's competition will automatically qualify for the Olympic Sevens in Paris 2024. So, I mean, that is a lot of dates, a lot of things to remember, but I think the big news, especially for us, is that Canada will be having a joint men's and women's competition. They even mentioned it that Jamie Levshuk, the interim CEO and managing director of Rugby Canada, uh, he has said, we are delighted to confirm that we host a combined women's and men's competition uh, HSBC Canada 7th event in Vancouver in 2023. We have strived to provide an equal platform for the women and men's games, and we're excited to welcome the best women's and men's 7th team in the world to BC Place for a three-day event on the 3rd to the 5th of March 2023. We would like to acknowledge the city of Langford for being such an incredible host of our HSBC Canada Women's 7 since 2015. Langford remains the home of Rugby Canada and we look forward to continue hosting international events at Starlight Stadium in the future. And, you know, not a slight on Starlight Stadium, but it's not BC Place though, is it? No, I mean, I guess not, but I mean, like, Starlight Stadium is the technical home field for Rugby Canada. So, um, so I mean... They're both nice, I guess, but uh, yeah, probably if you're going to host a major international event, you're going to Vancouver um, over Langford anyways, but um, yeah, uh, it's going to be exciting to have both of them, uh, both of them on at the same time and uh, definitely going to make planning trips and stuff a lot easier. You don't have to necessarily pick one or get hotels in two different cities and stuff. So hopefully that's going to uh, lead to a little attendance bump for, uh, for everybody too. Absolutely. And if you cannot wait until next year for the uh, Sevens or any rugby content, don't worry. We've got all the places you need to be watching. If you're looking for the final round of the English Premiership and the URC quarterfinals, you can find them on Sportsnet. We also have the Super Rugby Pacific quarterfinals, but they will be on TSN. The Pacific 4 series begins this weekend. Unfortunately, at the time of recording, we have no knowledge of which uh, broadcaster that will be on or which platform indeed it will be on but we will alert you via social media if you're looking for the non-arrows uh, MLR games to close out round 18 you can find them on the rugby network as well as the final game in the coast to coast cup will be on the rugby network as well and if you are somehow unable to come to the arrows DC game this Sunday at 12 p.m eastern time and that just could be you're not in uh, Ontario. I think that's a valid excuse. Um, but if you are unable to come, you can watch the game live on TSN. 
So, Derek, for the final round of the regular season, we have to make our predictions. And we begin with Atlanta versus NOLA on the Friday night. Uh, I guess I'll go with Atlanta. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Atlanta as well. Um, the next game at the same time is New England versus New York. Uh, New England's at home, though, right? And I mean, yeah. Maybe, maybe until they lose at home, maybe you got to pick them, right? So um, I'll, I'll go with New England. Yeah, I mean, obviously that uh, fortress uh, veterans uh, memorial stadium is holding out for New England as well. So I'll be going with the Free Jacks. But seeing as we've picked um, Atlanta to win and then New York to lose, do you think that Atlanta will be having the home advantage for the Eastern uh, Eliminator? Um, I, I mean, I guess. Is that how that works out based on those predictions? I also think, uh, I mean, if that happens, I think New York probably likes that better anyways. Yeah, it's about, it will work out. Let's for the, put those uh, All Blacks to work. Next up, we have the final game in the Lone Star Champs competition. It is Houston versus Austin. Houston obviously will be unable to progress further, but Austin will be looking to secure the uh, Western Conference final seat. I am going to go with the Gilgronies. I think they have a clear target they want to get. Houston can only be third, so yeah, Austin it is. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to take Houston. Send a message. You you beat Austin. You play them in the first round of the playoffs, right? So, uh, you know, get the uh, get the little upper hand. Get send the, you know, you can send a message, man. You know what's going on next week. So, uh, yeah. Although it is worth saying that um, Utah beat LA in the final round last year, and then LA beat them in the western conference final but yeah you know history may repeat itself it may not we shall well see. all right so so if you're houston you basically get to pick who you want to play so you want to play la or you want to play austin yeah that's a good uh, way of looking at it fair enough all right uh the fourth game we have is dallas versus utah dallas you're going with dallas i'm going to go dallas just i want to put it out in the universe let's get the positive energy going you know what they'll get I'm one jo- they'll get, they got to get one you know what? I'm going to join you on that. I'll go with Dallas. Let's as well. go. Yeah, let's go. Let's get one. Get one. Come on, Jackal. I want to. Yeah, I just want to wear my Dallas hat. On the Come front. on, Jackals. You got this one. Get one. Nobody uh, wants to see two 0 and 16 teams in a league that's only played four full years. And we have Toronto versus DC. And even though they can't finish higher than fourth, I will be backing the Arrows. Derek, will you be doing the same? Yep. No surprises there. It was so predictable. And the final game of the regular season will be held out west with LA hosting Seattle. And yeah, and that's the same thing of like um, with the Houston Austin game is that one team definitely has a bigger uh, need in this fight to win. So I'll be going with the Guiltinis. So those are Derek's picks. Those are my picks. But if you are looking for the Toonies picks, you can find them on our TikTok channel at La Rouge Rugby. In fact, you can find us across all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at La Rouge Rugby. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can listen to more on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts and Anchor FM. And if you like watching our beautiful faces, you can do so on YouTube with our entire back catalogue again at The Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can the people find you? At Set the Jet uh, across all social media platforms. And you can find me across all social media platforms at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me. I hope all of our friends south of the border had an enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. And thank you for joining us this time. We hope you can join us again next time. <laughs>